Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Everybody, you're hanging out on episode two of Cuckoo with Coco. I'm your host, Coco. I want to thank everybody for all the great feedback you guys gave me on the first episode. It gives me a lot of hope for what this could become and what this could grow into. I wanted to thank everybody and I want us to grow this together. And I also want to give a shout to my friend Laura on her birthday because that's when I'm recording. She's not here right now, obviously. She's out hanging out for her birthday. I hope she had a wonderful day. And I wanted to just give her a shout out, first birthday shout out. If you want one, please message me on any form of social media and I will do my best to try and do shout outs. I also wanted to give a shout out to a homie. His name is Ricky. He used to DJ around here. He's does. He used to do music and he does advertising and marketing now. So he's been a really big help to me. And I just wanted to give him a shout out and props because he deserves it. So I also wanted to talk to you a little bit today about three things. It's going to be Road Rage, Rocket League, and Can I Speak to Your Manager Haircuts. So let's dive into this tasty dish. <laughs> All right, so... Let's talk about road rage for a second. I don't think I've ever been in a worse mood unless I'm on the road. Now, I say that for emphasis because that's how everybody feels about driving sometimes. Sometimes it's a way to escape. Sometimes it's a way to just let yourself be free in the moment and just listen to music and clear your head. I know a lot of people from high school used to do that. I never did that. I still don't do it now. I only get from point A to point B blasting music. And I do that usually on my drives to work in the morning. So something interesting that happened to me one morning driving to work, I had to tell you guys because it's stuck with me for the past couple days. I was driving to work and a woman was parked in the middle lane with her left turn signal on. Left turn, excuse me, left turn signal. And can I just tell you that there wouldn't have been a problem with this if there hadn't been a left turn lane to her left for that purpose. So she's in the middle lane. There's another lane to her right for people going straight. Her lane that she was in with her blinker on was for people going straight. And then there was a vacant left turn arrow for people who were turning left. Now, I'm sure you're visualizing this in your head, and I hope you're laughing at this because I was not laughing at the time. I was very annoyed by this. And it's weird that I would let someone's silly driving behavior annoy me, but I was thinking about how lucky this woman was that there wasn't a cop nearby to catch her because I would get caught for something like that. She's being a real traffic hazard. You're parked in the middle lane, which is not specified for turning left. And you're just sitting there like, uh, duh? like, really? You're just going to sit there and not realize that, oh, my God, 
to my left is a left turn lane, which I should probably be in so that I don't cause an accident with the person who came up around her really quick and almost caused an accident. And that's another thing. How is it that people who are going straight cause accidents? I would expect more to be on like a sharp turn, like one of those S-curves or like a roundabout. This makes me angry because you're just driving straight. And I don't understand why people can't just 10 and 2 and just drive straight. Just drive. It's a straight road. It's not difficult. And people make it difficult. And you know why? Technology. Some people are busy texting and driving, which everybody does. Everybody does it. If you say you don't do it, you're a liar because you do it. So I've done it. I'll tell you that. I've done it before. It sucks. I got into an accident once, wrecked the front of my car. She's good now. Thank you for asking. But I will never do that again. That would be the last time I ever look at my phone on the road like that ever again. Like it was the most harrowing experience. I didn't know what to do, but I adulted, got my act together really quick, did what I had to do, got my car repaired, got it covered, paid deductible, you know, like what adults do, and just moved on with my life. So that and everything else about adulting is kind of obnoxious sometimes. So getting into accidents, I guess, is one of those rites of passage as an adult. Anyway, getting off topic here, but going back to cars on the road, one of the things I've seen more and more lately is Teslas. And I think that's a bit ridiculous. And it's weird to me because Teslas used to be one of those cars that was not really affordable unless you made it in life. Like you really had to have money to have that. That was supposed to be like a luxury car. Now, I get what they're trying to do to make it more of a standardized, like, economy car or whatever. But I, I don't know that I would drive a Tesla. And the reason being is because they're going to implement something that is used on planes. Autopilot. I don't know that I agree that having autopilot in a car would be the safest thing in the world. And I'm going to tell you why I think this. And I'm going to give you some background information as to how I came to my conclusion. Now, I went to college... I majored in human services, and one of the classes I liked taking was psychology and sociology. Those are my two favorite classes that I took. Now, the social aspect of having a robot driving your car has, was brought up in one of the articles I had to read. But I found something more interesting in this, which is I looked on a website, and it was called discovermagazine.com. The question that was posed in the article was, how do you handle driving issues that have nothing to do with the actual act of driving? Which is a really good question. Some of us are so used to driving that a lot of the things that we do are habit. We don't even have to think about them, such as stopping, paying attention to people around you, things around you, animals, deer. It's When those seasons come around, it's pretty funny that we're going to have a robot drive, how are they going to know to stop for animals on the road? Like, sure, they can program that, but are they going to actually stop in time? And what is that going to do to the person in the car? There is such a thing as whiplash, which it happens. It, it's painful, and it happens, and like your whole neck tenses up, and then you're hurt for a while because your car was on autopilot and didn't stop a safe way, and now people get hurt. So that's like lawsuits waiting to happen. Another interesting thing is, how does one teach a car to slow down or be cautious of kids playing basketball on the road or like in the road or on the sidewalk? That's another good question because there's so many different aspects to driving that people don't think about because we just do it. Now now we have to program a car to behave like a human and drive? How are you going to do that? That's going to be really expensive. And then wouldn't that drive up the cost of the car? 
Like, I have legitimate questions about how this is actually all going to go down. Now, I didn't have enough time to prepare all that research because I feel like that would take years, which I don't have because, you know, trying to provide content to my listeners. We as humans and not machines understand the consequences of hitting another person or vehicle while driving. But how do you program or reason with a machine to come to the same conclusion? I don't know that you can. I don't really know that that's something that we can do as people who create things. Because that's essentially what we're doing. We're creating something to do something for us. That's essentially what this autopilot is going to do. If you're tired while driving on the road, just pull over and take a nap. That's what I used to do. That's what my family used to do. That's how we created memories on the road. I've done that road trip to Florida, and you know it sucks, and I know it sucks. Imagine having to do it with a big family. My family's big. I'm not complaining about them. I'm complaining about the drive. I'm complaining about the crampedness of being in a car for several hours on end, someone having to use the bathroom all the time, someone asking if we're there yet. It's just crazy. It's like being stuck in a cage on wheels. So you have to pull over and stop every so often. And one of the things that was great about going on the road trips was when we stopped, we stretched our legs and we got some sleep in an actual bed. That was my favorite part of it was when we pull over and got to sleep for a little bit. Technology is very impressive. It, like The advances are just awe-inspiring, like just great stuff that's being put out there. But I don't know that we've really thought this through yet. And that's what really worries me is that we have not thought this through yet and something is going to happen and lawsuits are going to happen. Or, you know, maybe just machines will rise up and take the human race as slaves or whatever. But anyway, that's a story for another day. That's been in every movie you've ever seen on sci-fi, not on sci-fi, something Will Smith has been in, something Tom Cruise has been in. But we've all seen machines uprise, which I always think is interesting. There are terrible drivers out there as it is. I don't think we need to make robots one of them. So I'm a decent driver as it is, but let me tell you something. That game Rocket League, it will make you feel like you've never driven a day in your life. And I don't know what it, what about the game does that to you, but the coordination of it kind of hurts my feelings because any other game, any other racing game is fine. I don't particularly like racing games, but I think throwing a ball into the mix, probably not the greatest idea. So I can't master this game at all. So I play it and I lose and my teammates have to carry me. <laughs> and I'm like, unless it's people I know, they probably hate me. They probably are like, what is this girl's problem? And who does she think she is coming into our match and thinking she's going to help us win? I'm still a cheerleader for myself, though, in that instance, because in the text box, I always make sure to put up GG for good game or words of encouragement to my teammates. Otherwise, I'm kind of a snob when it comes to playing video games with people I don't know. I'm quiet and I like to keep to myself. That's definitely something I like to do when I play with strangers. I don't like to talk or anything like that. Um, I like games, but I also, like games that include a team, I'm all for it. Like Call of Duty, my jam. Love that game to death. Any Anything from Call of Duty, really. I like Modern Warfare 2 is my favorite. Um, I have a PlayStation. So if anyone wants the game, too, just let me know. <laughs> but um, when I play solo, I think I'm at my... I think I got like the spotlight. I'm I'm the diva of the game. So I think that's my strength also. I'd like to play better in Rocket League, but I just can't get it. Um, 
in my last episode, you know, I talk about how I like to stream on Twitch every so often. Lately, I've gotten out of the habit of streaming, and I can't tell you why. Um, doing this podcast and sharing things with you guys is amazing. I love streaming for you guys, too. But there's sometimes I don't want to show my face because sometimes it's not done up. And I know that's a really shallow thing to say. And, you know, beauty comes from within and blah, blah, blah. But sometimes a girl loves her makeup and I am one of those girls that likes their makeup. So give me a break. And sometimes I just like to hide my face. Let's go back to solo play. One of my favorite games I have dared to restart is The Last of Us. I love that game. I beat it already. My four siblings watched me play it, and we all bawled our eyes out in the beginning. If you remembered what happened, Joel's daughter gets killed. If not, spoilers. This is a post-apocalyptic adventure game, which involves a man helping a little girl who could possibly, her blood possibly contains the cure to whatever plant diseases that has taken over all of humanity and turned us into ravenous beasts, whatever, beasts. I'm not professing to be an expert about the background details of the game, as, you know, I haven't really wanted to dedicate too much time to talking about the whole content of the game. We can do that in another episode if you guys would like. The part I want to focus on is the writing of the storyline between Joel and Ellie. It is so beautifully tragic how they meet and how Joel's beginnings as a tough and ambitious man transform into a softened parental figure. He has no blood ties to this girl. He meets her as a favor to a friend of his who dies because she gets bitten and then gets contaminated or whatever with this disease. She dies, and as a promise to her, he says that he will help her get to her final destination. Now, they used to be working for the Fireflies, I think it's interesting that at first he wanted to get rid of her because he felt like she was a chore and he didn't want that burden. He didn't want to be bothered with anyone else. He'd been alone for a long time and then he stopped being alone when he met his female partner, who I forget what her name is. If anyone knows that, they can drop me a comment and I'd feel so much better. That's actually something else that was missing from the story was the name of the woman that was with Joel. But... The thing that I thought was interesting is that any, any of these apocalypse-type shows, games, anything like that, movies, there's always bonds between unlikely individuals, and I think it's, it has something to do with, you know, how they say that cliche of opposites attract? I think in this instance, it works for that, too. Opposites, like people with different strengths can help each other do different things, which is probably why they make those different classes in the games so that you can play through them, see which one your strength would be, and then, you know, when it actually does happen, you'll know what you can do and can't do. I think that's silly, and everybody says that I'm funny for thinking that way, that this could ever happen, like an apocalypse or whatever, but nothing's quite impossible these days, if you haven't noticed. But the thing I liked about it was that they started to form a really close bond to each other, almost to the point where it was mind-blowingly beautiful. I thought the, bo the bond between Joel and Ellie was beautiful. I loved it. It, they were such strong characters, and they helped each other when they needed it, like when Joel was really badly injured from trying to get Ellie out of that hospital, because they were basically going to kill Ellie. Spoilers! And he saved her. He went to the hospital, and he saved her. I remember that part, because it took me a while to beat, because everybody was shooting at me. This led me to think, or wonder, if people would actually behave this way if it happened in real life. Like, would someone actually go the extra mile and help somebody if they needed it? Because these two people were strangers and they were forced together. Now, if you're not forced to be with another person, then are you actually going to help them? Or are you going to fend for yourself? I think in a lot of cases, 
from what I've seen on TV, movies, and video games, is a lot of people who like to help themselves don't actually make it. A lot of people are not self-sufficient. I don't know that I could be self-sufficient in that case. I know I'm very, you know, I need a lot of things. I need a lot of stuff. I'm just going to have to learn to live without it. Might take a lot, might take a while, might be kicking and screaming. Like, you know, showering. I like to shower. (laughs) I don't think that's going to be happening in an apocalypse because, you know, running water. But I wanted to just speak on how people sometimes turn on each other also because people do do that in apocalyptic settings when they're too hungry, too tired, or just sick of running all the time and just wanting to find some place that's actually home. Like Fear the Walking Dead. I love that show. There was a part where the mom, Madison, just sacrificed herself for her kids and everybody else to make it because this group of bandits showed up and said, we're not going to take your place today. We're not going to take it tomorrow, but we will take this from you. So it'd be better if you just joined us instead of fought against us. And I thought that was interesting because someone always has that mentality that you have something good. I'm going to take it from you and make it mine. And you have no say in it. And then, you know, you only think that because you have the number of people to do it, but some people have the strength. And sometimes it's not always strength in numbers. Sometimes it's just willpower and drive that forces people to get together and create communities and do what they have to do and be purposeful to survive such incidences like that. So what she did was she led all the zombies, like all the zombies broke through their barriers and she could not get to the cars where her kids and her friends and everybody was. And she decided that she was in the interest of her children sacrificing herself so that they could make it. And I thought that was awesome because that's one of those turning points where she realized she can't run anymore. She just has to do what she can in the moment so that at least her children make it. So she does it. She leads all the zombies away with a flare and they all follow her in. They shut the door behind. I think she shuts the door behind her. Like she locks herself in there. They know she dies. But it's just so sad how it just happened. It was, it was mind-blowing. I couldn't get over it. I think I was sobbing like a baby for like 10 minutes during that episode. And she just, that was it. She was gone. She was there and she was gone. And the kids knew it. The kids knew what she was about to do. And they watched her do it. And that was it. And then not only that, but then the next episode, the son ends up getting killed. Spoilers, if you haven't watched it already. <laughs> Spoilers, because I have to say it. But the thing that I thought was terrible was she sacrificed herself because she let in a little girl. They let a little girl into their community that they didn't have to do that for. They let her in. I forget what her name is. See how descriptive I'm being. The little girl that they let into the stadium with them, she was helping, but she didn't realize that she had a connection. The little girl had a connection to the bandits that were outside the stadium. So in trying to help this little girl, she kind of like screwed herself over and the safety of her community members. And that's how everything went down. But apparently the little girl came back and killed Madison's son. Spoilers. She killed him and it it seemed like it was all for nothing that Madison sacrificed herself because once that happened, her daughter and son were separated because the son was killed and he died instantly. And then the daughter kind of lost her mind because her mother was the one giving her hope. And she didn't know what to do next, so they kind of all split from each other, which was an interesting episode, but again, that's something else we can get into. So my main point with introducing the Fear the Walking Dead into this was that it has to do with 
how people get along and then don't get along. Like at first everything was peaceful within that stadium community and then just one act of kindness led into all the violence and, you know, pillaging with zombies of the stadium. But getting into people turning into each other, I saw a woman on the side of the road one day when I was driving to work. This goes back to driving to work again, but it was a different day. And she had that haircut that Kate Gosselin had on John and Kate plus eight. That immediately made me think of the can I speak to your manager memes, the ones that showed the different haircuts. And it made me laugh because I was like, who is still doing these haircuts? Who's still asking for these haircuts? And what is it exactly they're saying to their stylist to get that? Are they still holding up that picture from that show that was feels like it was forever and a day ago, but it actually started in 2007 and it lasted for five seasons. Who was keeping that show running? Who? Because it doesn't make sense that that show was running for that long because Kate Gosselin was like a biatch. She was just the worst looking person ever. She just always had a frown on her face and she was just never happy with her husband. Like, yeah, you had eight kids. So I know what you're mad about, but you can't say that on TLC. Anyway, so trash TV is one thing, but this show and the haircuts that sprung off of it were a whole other story. It was just amazing to me how these haircuts popped up on every woman that wanted a half short, half long. Who wants their bangs in their face like that? Whenever my hair gets in my face... I pull out the old hairspray and I spray that up, spray it up, pull it away from my face because I'll start sweating and my face will have my hair stuck to it for a good part of the day. Anyway, so those haircuts are disgusting. Um, I hope nobody gets those haircuts anymore. And whatever hairstylist is doing this, please stop because these haircuts are absurd The show is not even relevant anymore. It's like John and Kate disappeared off the face of the earth and all eight of their kids. But the fact that this haircut was popular is really annoying. I still don't understand the mechanics of it. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. Like the the math you would have to put together to formulate this haircut. I would really like to meet the first person who ever did this haircut to anyone ever because it cannot have started with Kate Gosselin. It can't. Because if it did, just stop. Another thing that this haircut reminded me of is the fact that this person would probably want to speak to the manager to complain about the haircut. Not even to complain about anything going on in the store, but to complain about the fact that she got this terrible haircut and somebody needs to know about it. I don't want to be that person. I would never want to be a manager of a store and have this woman come up to me and talk in my face about this haircut she got because I would just laugh flat out. I would laugh flat out in her face. I would say, ma'am, who hurt you that you got this haircut? Someone hurt you that you got this haircut. There's no way that you actually requested this because it looks like it's three different haircuts in one. So with these complaints having been said to this manager, it now brings me back to thinking about, would I help that person in the apocalypse? And my answer is no. And you know why I wouldn't help her? Because she would probably complain the whole time. Not only about the situation we are in, not only the impending doom we're about to face, and the fact that we're starving, tired, and hungry, 
and that there are ravenous whatevers trying to eat us. But the fact that she got a bad haircut and that is when I would pick her up and throw her into the horde of whatever is following us. Just throw you. Throw you. That's that's what happens. You're getting thrown with your terrible haircut. You and your terrible haircut can go right into zombie, ravenous whatevers. It could be hungry plants for all I care. But she, she got to go. That haircut and her, bon voyage. That's exactly how that would go. Adios. Bye, Felicia. That haircut has to go and you have to go. Because if I had to live through another day of hearing that woman speak, I would probably shave her head. I wouldn't do anything to myself to harm myself. I would shave her head so then she could really have something to complain about. Hey, cue ball, what's up? Now you got to face the apocalypse with no hair. How do you feel now? Do you feel like maybe you should have stopped talking about this yesterday? Because I think so. I think you should have stopped talking about this yesterday. But in any case, so hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode tonight in the morning, in the afternoon, whenever you're listening to it. Because again, as I tell you, it's a lot of crazy ramblings going on, but you guys are going to make this great. I know you are, because I'm going to make it great for you. And all these suggestions and feedback, it's going to be a wonderful, beautiful podcast, and we're going to grow it together. Because I believe in you, and you guys believe in me. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and I will catch you next time on episode three.